Today on Carefully Examining the Text, we look at Psalm 87. Psalm 87. In the heading, it says, A Psalm of the Sons of Korah, a song. The New American Standard reads as follows. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the other dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, Salah. I shall mention Rahab and Babylon among those who know me. Behold Philistia and Tyre with Ethiopia. This one was born there. But of Zion it will be said, This one and that one were born in her, and the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord shall count when he registers the people. This one was born there, Salah. Then those who sing, as well as those who play the flutes, shall, shall say, All my springs of joy are in her, are in you, excuse me. Now, this psalm is generally classified as a Zion psalm, a psalm that celebrates the city of God. You notice that that expression, city of God, was used in verse 3 of Psalm 87. It was also used in Psalm 46 in verse 4, in Psalm 48 in verse 1 and 2, and a couple of times in verse 8. So there are several psalms that deal with God's city. Interestingly, the ones I just mentioned, Psalm 46 and 48, also were attributed to the sons of Korah, as is Psalm 87. What we want to do as we look throughout this brief psalm is see what it says about the city of God. We want to think about that in relationship to the city of Jerusalem and, and how this picture in Psalm 87 fits into the biblical text as a whole. His foundations are in the holy mountains. Now, the New American Standard preserves the idea that the Hebrew has a plural, mountains. Some of your versions have singular. But often the temple mount was spoken of as God's holy mountain. God's holy mount. Psalm 2 verse 6, Psalm 3 verse 4, Psalm 15 verse 1, Psalm 43 3 and 99 9 have that idea. It appears outside the book of Psalms in Isaiah 11 in verse uh, 9 and Psalm Isaiah 65 in verse 25. But his foundation is in the holy mountains. They are holy because he dwells there. In verse 2, he loves the gates of Zion. The Lord loves the gates of Zion. He loves it more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. The Lord's love for Zion is the reason he chose her to be the side of his dwelling among men. The reason he chose her to be the side of the temple. Psalm 78 verse 28 excuse me, Psalm 78 verse 68 says that same thing. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. And glorious things are spoken of you. 
The city is personified and addressed in second person. The Lord has spoken great things of the city. Now, I think those great things that are spoken of the city, the glorious things, are going to be mentioned beginning with verse 4. But glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God, O city where God dwells. God's presence fills the earth. But there's a special sense in which God has made his presence known in Zion, in the place of the temple. You notice that in verse 4, God, or a servant of God, speaks of God and what he will do in first person. I shall mention Rahab and Babylon among those who know me. You notice here that he is not just speaking of a city. He's not just speaking of a physical dwelling place. He's talking about a people, a people who know God, who walk with God, who are in fellowship with him. And these people who know God are in fellowship with God are described as citizens of this city. You notice in verses 4, 5, and 6 that each of these verses use the phrase was born or were born of those who were born in Jerusalem. So those who are citizens of the city know God. Those who know God are citizens of the city. In this psalm, what it means to know God what it means to know God is to be a citizen of the city, and what it means to be a citizen of the city is to know God. Those things are used interchangeably. But notice there are faraway countries that are included among the people of God. In verse 4, I shall mention Rahab, a reference to Egypt from Isaiah 30 and verse 7. I will mention Rahab and Babylon among those, among those who know me. These were two superpowers in the days of much of the ancient Near East. Babylon uh, along the uh, Euphrates River and Egypt uh, at the other end of the ancient Near East. And these two superpowers would include people from God's people. They would include God's people among them. Isaiah chapter 19, verses 23 through 25, have much as much the same idea, mentioning Assyria and Egypt in that text. But I will mention Rahab and Babylon among those who know me. Behold, Philistia and Tyre. The Philistines were a persistent enemy from the days of Samuel and Saul uh, up until uh, the time of David, and, and, and on and off throughout Israel's history. The Philistines were persistent enemies. The city of Tyre, mentioned here in verse 4, was a trading, uh, a trading superpower. And sometimes they were at odds with Israel as well. Ethiopia, or Cush, as the word would be transliterated here, refers to the nations, the remotest areas. But the point is, from distances far and wide, from people in the most distant of countries to people that are right near Israel's land, God is going to take from them people who would be his people. 
And while they were born in different countries, among different people, they were citizens of Jerusalem. They were people of Mount Zion. And Mount Zion is going to be the place of singing and celebration, joyful worship, and springs are in her. Now, Jerusalem did not have an abundant water supply, but often in these psalms, these psalms that speak of a glorious, exalted Jerusalem, they speak of a river running through the city of God, Psalm 46 and verse 4. They speak of the city being a place where springs were, where abundant water supply was. Maybe the most dramatic statement of that is in Ezekiel 47, where there's a trickle of water that comes from under the house of God. And in Ezekiel 47, 1 through 12, that small trickle of water that comes from the holy place of God's temple gets stronger the further it gets from the source. Now, I realize that a water, a river can get stronger if there are other rivers that are flowing into it. But if it is a single source, as it gets further from the original source, the river gets weaker. But not so with the river in Ezekiel 47. It gets deeper and deeper until finally it is a great ford that no one can cross. And the water flows, and wherever it flows, it gives life to everything it touches to such a degree that it even gives life to the Dead Sea and that fishermen are able to fish off its bank. That picture in Ezekiel 47 is summed up in only a portion of a verse here in Psalm 87, but it's an idea that recurs throughout Scripture. One of the things I would like you to think about is how Psalm 87 fits into the big picture of the Bible as a whole. God's intention in selecting Abraham in Genesis 12 and verse 3 was that through him he would bless all nations. God's intention was not to bless the Israelite people alone, but to bless all nations through Abraham's seed. That was God's desire. That was God's goal. And here in Psalm 87, we see a realization of that in this city of Zion. Now, I don't think that this psalm is just talking about a physical city. I think it's talking about more than that. It is interesting that Psalm 87 is in book 3 of the Psalms. And in those Psalms, Psalms 73 through 89, we have seen Psalms that have talked about how Jerusalem or Zion is in ruins. In Psalm 74, in verses 1 through 7, in Psalm 79, in verses 1 through 4. The city that was destroyed because of sin... That city is pictured as the city of God. But you see, Jerusalem and Zion in Psalm 87 is more than a physical city. It is a spiritual ideal. It is a goal. It is the city built by God. The first city of the Bible was built by Cain in Genesis 4, beginning with verse 17. That's a bad sign in itself. 
The next time we read of a city is Genesis 11, as the people were building not only a tower, but they were building a city. And the Tower of Babel, or Babylon, Babylon becomes kind of the epitome of the worldly city in rebellion to God and promoting human pride. It becomes a symbol of that from Genesis 11 to the end of the Bible in the book of Revelation. While Jerusalem becomes a symbol of the city of God. Remember, Abraham was called to leave his country and leave his kin. And Hebrews 11 verse 10 said he was searching for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. You see, he was looking for a heavenly city in contrast to those in Babylon who sought to build a city for themselves. While Babylon is a picture of the worldly city, an epitome of it, Jerusalem is a picture of the city that God built not men. And in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 17 through 22, at the end of that book, you have a tale of two cities as Babylon the harlot is contrasted with Jerusalem the bride. But Jerusalem the bride didn't always live up to that ideal. A matter of fact, Jerusalem the bride sometimes behaved as the harlot, as we see in Ezekiel 17, Ezekiel 16, and in Ezekiel 23. But still, there was the ideal of God preparing a city for His people where one day all His people would be written down in the registry. In verse 6 of Psalm 87, the Bible says that the Lord shall count when He registers His people. The Lord is pictured as writing down the inhabitants of the city. That's an idea from Isaiah 4, verse 3, from Ezekiel 13, verse 9, as the citizens of a city were written down in a registry. And in Hebrews 12, verses 22 and 23, it said of Mount Zion, the city of God, where the names of the firstborn are enrolled in heaven. You see, God has a desire to build a city. Psalm 87 is pointing to more than physical Jerusalem. Psalm 87 verse 5 has a line in the Septuagint, not present, not present in the Hebrew text, and not present in the New American Standard Translation. In verse 5, but of Zion it will be said, the statement is made in the Septuagint, it will be said of Zion, our mother, which Paul picks up on that in Galatians, 6, Galatians 4, verses 25 and 26, when he contrasts the present Jerusalem with the Jerusalem that is above, which is the mother of us. You see, the picture of the earthly city was a picture of the heavenly city and God's desire to include all nations in Psalm 70, in Psalm 87, verse 4, is a picture of him to break down the walls, dividing Jews and Gentiles in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, and, and to make all of them one in Christ. Ephesians 3, 1 through 11, continues that same picture of how God's wisdom is shown by pulling Jews and Gentiles together and making them one in Jesus. In Revelation 21, as Revelation presents a picture of that city, as it presents a picture of this ideal 
city, Jerusalem, the bride. It pictures the kings of the earth bringing their glory into it. Psalm 87 verse 4 pictures Zion as the city of God, the habitation that God is still has prepared for His people at the end of human history. We sing many songs that celebrate it. We're marching to Zion. That we sing on Zion's glorious summit, on Zion's glorious mount I stood. Revelation 14 verse 1 borrows that. It's the basis of that particular hymn. Uh, there is a habitation built by the living God for all of every nation who seek its grand abode. O Zion, lovely Zion, I long thy gates to see. Psalm 87 fits into this picture of the Bible of God preparing a city. Hebrews 11 verse 10 and Hebrews 13 14 here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And that city is available to us only in Jesus. It is through Jesus that all can be saved and all can have that longing for Zion, that longing to be with God's people. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you.